1: Happy early signing period week. Welcome to the on Enquirer podcast. I'm Jeremy Warner, Illini Enquirer publisher. And this week marks the first signing period for college football. From Wednesday until Thursday, class of 2022 prospects can sign national letters of intent, binding them uh, to the university of their choice. This is five years old, this early signing period now. I remember the first one we had. Uh, was 2017, and it was the 2018 class. Virtus Brown was the big get for Illinois on that day, announcing over Missouri uh, at that time, which was a huge recruiting win. And we'll see if Virtus' last two years of eligibility here makes a big impact, uh, now playing nose guard. But uh, since then, it has become the de facto signing day. I think we look at uh, basketball November is kind of the big one, right? Where most prospects seem to sign that day. I will say it's starting to trend where more prospects are waiting till uh, April, where they know who's coaching where and all of that. But when it comes to football, the early signing period, which is just six weeks before the normal period, uh, has become the major one as coaches really want to lock up their class. And I think for some, it has been an advantage. I I think for a school like Illinois, it certainly uh, is has been an advantage where they kind of get their guys locked up before maybe some of these bigger fish uh, come around and steal their guys and kind of make these last minute flips if they miss out uh, on some of their top prospects. But there are some who don't like the early signing period already. And there's already talk. Bob Bolsby, the big 12 commissioner talked about doing away with this because of what we're seeing, how it impacts the coaching carousel. We're seeing coaches fired earlier in the year so that they can work in recruiting have a couple weeks to kind of lock down their class go sign somebody else and go get in on somebody else and it's just caused this crazy crazy cycle uh, mid-season firings and all of this uh, but at the end of the day we're still doing this uh, we still have this early signing period I think having it in August makes a little bit more sense for the high school prospect if he wants to sign before he starts his season be done with recruiting and all of that but uh, coaches Understandably so. Uh, Really don't want it in August because July is kind of their big month to actually not work and to have some vacation with their crazy, crazy schedules all year. Uh, So I don't think coaches or their families would like that very much. Uh, But I think it would make more sense for prospects and all of that. But for right now, we're still doing the early signing period. And it's going to be a busy one for Illinois football. They currently have 19 commitments in the class of 2022. And I am recording this. 10 a.m. on Monday. So that could change here uh, in in the next couple days or two whenever you are listening to this. But 19 Commitments, currently the number 42 class in the country. And as Ryan Easterling and I talked a couple weeks ago, that would be the highest ranked recruiting class for Illinois in a decade. Um, So Brett Bielma, most of his classes at Wisconsin were 35 to 50. This is kind of what he does. And there's no top 500 prospects in this class, but there's the significant amount of power five wins and a significant amount of in-state prospects nine currently in this class for illinois the class does rank 10 in the big 10 that's lifted a little bit by quantity their average star ranking uh is uh last in the big 10 currently on the composite rankings now if you go to 24 7 sports rankings which if you have the URL uh, on the website, uh, all you got to do is take out the composite part of the URL. And I wish we made that a little easier, but all you got to do is take that out. And you can see that the Illinois class ranks a little higher for 24-7 sports, currently number 37 uh, nationally and number eight in the Big Ten. And their average star ranking uh, is above Purdue so still a lot could happen with the last couple days still some targets that they're going after but I wanted to preview early signing period with what Illinois has now especially with the Midwest prospects With the guy who's one of the best in the business in my opinion the best in the business Alan True has been doing this for a long time scout 24-7 sports he's going to be on Big Ten Network he's so good uh, for National Signing Day yet again and i I had him come on the podcast. He gave us about 20 minutes of his time and broke down all of Illinois' in-state commits, Midwest commits, and there's a lot of them. So Alan True is going to join us next on the Illinois Inquirer podcast to break down the Illinois class of 2022. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.
0: Happy
1: to have on the On Inquirer podcast, Alan True, twenty four seven sports national recruiting analyst. And Alan, it's a, it's a new era in, in Illinois football. We saw, I think, more consistent football week to week with Illinois this this year. They go five and seven, not a fantastic year, but competitive uh, throughout the Big Ten West. And they've had a full year to to dive into recruiting. So I'm just wondering your your initial impressions of Brett Bielema's staff, their first full recruiting class.
0: Yeah. So the first impression is uh, I get to talk to you a lot more and help you guys out a lot more because there's a lot more focus in the region and especially in state and around the other uh, states in the Midwest. So that's nice. I mean, they're a Big Ten program. You would expect them to be more active there. And so I think they've done a great job of that because you would think it would be hard to come in your first year. There were relationships to repair I think there was some branding that needed to be repaired as far as do they even care about recruiting the kids from here. You would think that that might take some time to show some results and didn't really when you look at the kids that they got in this classroom in state. They weren't just guys like we're going to pluck this guy who's low-hanging fruit. They had to win some battles for those kids and so I thought they did a really good job and you know we, we both know that they put an emphasis on it right away. They called a lot of high school coaches. They did a lot of um, kind of relations things that I think helped and, and is going to help moving forward uh, as well.
1: Why do you think that matters, Alan? Recruiting state. I mean, I talked about it, I've talked about it for a decade here with Illinois covering them. Why do you think it matters for Illinois to put such a huge effort into recruiting its own state?
0: Yeah. So first of all, you, you know those guys are probably less likely to leave. They're you're talking about kids who can go home and have parental support can be there every week. Um, you're talking about, I think there's some feeling with the team of like, this is, you know, we're, we're taking care of our home state. Maybe that helps you in terms of fan support, people coming to the games, people coming to see kids that they know that they went to high school with, that they taught, all those sorts of things. And then I think beyond that, it's just harder to leave your state and your region and win battles. Like if Jared Beatty was in Texas, probably have a harder time getting him or, or Georgia that he's down there. You know, you're probably battling, you're battling all sorts of different schools and you're battling distance and all those things. So I think you give yourself an easier chance to keep power five talent and get that into your class. If you're not, um, kind of have location working against you.
1: Alan, not a top 500 prospect in this class, but as you kind of look at the top of this, or you, or you kind of look at the 19 commitments in this class, what encourages you if you're an Illinois fan?
0: Well, I think it's that. I think it's that you've come in and you've already won some battles. Um, guys who previously wouldn't have gone to Illinois. And then I think you also feel good about this staff's ability to evaluate with how many of those guys came through and had good seasons. You know, Jordan Anderson, and the lower on the three-star scale, when they offer him, when they take his commitment. One of the more dominant players in the state of Illinois this year moves up in the rankings as a result. So I think you feel good about their ability to, to take a guy like him and evaluate him. He, Jordan wasn't an easy eval because of his position and his body type and what could he be, what could he not be. Um, so I think you feel good about that. I think so. I think you think you feel good that they're moving in the right direction there. They haven't just abandoned going out of state. It's not like we're taking – only Midwest guys, so I think there, there's the right blend here regionally of let's go out of state and pull some guys who we know can play here who can help us, but also you know, keep the Midwest talent at home.
1: I want to ask you specifically about some of these guys. Jordan Anderson, you mentioned there. Uh, six foot three, 225 pounds. Not many running backs these days, Allen, who go that big. And you know when you watch him, I, I watch him in person a couple times this year. He's just a man amongst boys. So when you are evaluating him, how do how do you kind of foresee his role at the next level and why do you think he can succeed at that level? you know when obviously defenses are going to be bigger easier to tackle him when you got great athletes who are his size so um, what is your evaluation of him going to the next level?
0: Yeah I think we we, we were really uh, kind of wondering what he was going to be or how to evaluate him at first And then I think sometimes you can trick yourself like at the end of the day this guy is big he's productive, he's athletic, and I think we saw that in a camp setting. That helped a lot where you, where you took the pads off him, you kind of stripped away the physicality of it. As you mentioned, like he's running through competition that isn't as big and strong. And we saw him in camp. He caught the football very well. He ran routes well. He saw that he could do some things away from his body. He wasn't just this bulldozer. And then I think there's still a place for that kind of back. When you look around the league and you look around some of the other guys that uh, have had success, I, I look at a guy like Xander Horvath at Purdue who I doubt anybody thought would be a, a successful t- – I know nobody did because no one offered him a scholarship out of high school. And you wouldn't have thought that he would be somebody that you could hand the football to and have success in the big time. I look at a guy like that and say Jordan Anderson can be that. Um, and, then, and then if he's not, he can do enough other things, block, catch, even tackle to where like there's a spot for that guy on the roster somewhere.
1: Yeah, he's just a good football player, right? And at some point, those guys find a way to the field. Uh, one of the biggest gets in this class is Aiden Loffrey. And there's not often that Ford County, Illinois, produces a Power 5 prospect. So to get the kid from GCMS was a monster win over Iowa. And, and Iowa, with the season they had, it, it looks even better in, in hindsight. Um, he's had some injury issues in high school. But what do you like so much about Aiden Lawfrey Because I, I believe 24-7 sports, I think, we're the highest on him at number 14 in the state.
0: Yeah, so first, that's, you know, you talk about encouraging signs in the class. was not an easy school to beat in recruiting. I don't know how many times Illinois has done it in the last four or five years before Bielema was in. I don't think it's been many. Um, and, and so they do it here. And that seemed to be heading Iowa's direction. And not just them, but, you know, Michigan State had offered them. There were other schools that were involved with them. So what we like about him, first of all, you, have, you can't talk about him and not talk about the speed. I mean, and it is verified speed on the track. Uh, and then from there, it's like, is he just a track guy or does the speed translate to the football field? It does. You know, is he still a physical football player? His coaches, they, you know, they love him on both sides of the ball. Could have been recruited on either side of the football as a defensive back or as a running back slot. And I think over the years when we've kind of missed guys or maybe guys were too low or uh, I feel like they're, they're, we could have had somebody higher, um, especially in the state. I look at a guy like Scotty Miller who's at Bowling Brook, him catch touch, or touchdown passes in the playoffs last year and I went back and I'm looking at the track times and going how did we let this slide past us with this kind of speed usually we've missed like a 100 meter time or something in there that could have told us this guy was going to be pretty good so with Aiden it's like let's let's trust the data if a guy can run that fast and he's a good football player on film chances are he's going to find his way into being a pretty good football player in college.
1: Two other kids in state that were significant wins for them. Ian Pugh was committed to Cincinnati, had the Iowa offer. They get him. And and Iowa gets Jacob Bostick, who's a similar prospect. But um, Jared Beatty uh, as well had a bunch of of Big Ten offers, Power Five offers. I don't think we expect those guys to maybe make an immediate impact. But long term, what do you think they can be for Illinois?
0: Yeah, Ian, you know, the state of Illinois had such a strange season last year that by the time we played in the spring it just didn't even feel right you know going to some of those games and looking at the tape it just didn't it was different and so I think uh Ian in the spring we were kind of not sure about what to think uh of, of him and some of the and really the team at Fenwick when they come back this year and they win a state title he plays really really well very naturally gifted uh and I think that's the story with him and Jared Beatty you have two guys who are very long at their position very athletic have lots of upside I think both guys need the weight room both guys need the strength and conditioning program. They need some development, but both guys, that that's the kind of guy that, like I said, when you're when you're a new staff and you're trying to build a program, you're not going to get a lot of ready-made guys. You have to develop guys like this in order to win. Um, and both of those guys are athletic and big and long and uh, have a lot of upside. So now it's on Illinois to develop.
1: Let's keep it in state, Alan. I, I thought when Brett Bioma came in here, there were a couple guys I thought – you know, Illinois needs to look at. Jordan Anderson was near the top of the list. But I also thought Hank Beatty is a guy that Illinois just needs to get in its program. Like, if you're a Michigan, maybe you don't offer a Hank Beatty, but I just thought Illinois needs to add that kind of downstate talent if they're able to. Um, wh- what do you think he can be at the next level? Obviously, a great athlete at, the, at his size of high school. Rochester's a, a powerhouse here. Um, what do you think he can bring to the Illinois
0: program? Yeah, I think, you know, when we've talked about evaluating wide receivers, it's easy to fall in love with the six, three, you know, gazelles that are out there, but the NFL is full of slot receivers who we had ranked too low. And I think a guy like him, I just mentioned Scotty Miller or a guy like Willie Sneed that was in the Midwest. Those are guys that we undervalued because you know, they weren't quite as tall as the other guys, not quite the pretty looking prospect, but they are really skilled and they're really athletic, and I think that's exactly what Hank Beatty is. Extremely skilled as a robber, and I even saw that in a sophomore tape. And then, you know, when they have needed him to do other things, needed him to end up playing quarterback, he's done that and done it extremely well. Um, I, I think he has the chance to be the guy in this class that we most look at in several years and say, like, maybe we should have had him a little bit higher. I, I, he's been kind of hidden from view. Mm-hmm. no camps hasn't been out there on um no doesn't even have a tape put together from this year and so that as somebody who assigns the rings he scares me a lot because we don't have as much information on him but i think what we've seen that kid can be really really good
1: the one guy I went back senior year um so i, I want to ask you about it because uh henry boyer when they took him i know you and i talked Matt he could be an interesting left tackle prospect but I watched his film this year and and I do see a guy that can play a little bit of tight end as is a jumbo blocker as a guy in the red zone like he's a guy that in my head like I I didn't know what he was when they first got him maybe a project but but to me um, he's kind of rising in my mind of after seeing some of his senior film so what did you think of him
0: Yeah the same thing as you you know he just he was just a big frame before even when he was before he got to brother rice he was like we need to keep an eye on this guy because of how big he is He hasn't really shown us much yet in terms of development and what he could be. I think you've seen that progression happen the last two years, and you like that. Honestly, from sophomore to junior year, tape, huge difference. And from junior year to senior year, tape, huge difference. So you expect that again once he gets to college. And I I do think he can be a big tight end. And uh, I do think that, like we said with Jordan Anderson and there being a place still for a kind of a traditional big back, I think there's a place still for traditional tight ends. I think what they're they're going to have to figure out at Illinois and what Henry's going to have to figure out is, is that better than what the upside would be at another position? You know, where can he most help them? I think long term, there's a lot of uh, NFL offensive tackles that look like Henry Boyer as se- as a senior. Some of them play for Brett Bielema at Wisconsin. Right. So, you know, they have experience with making this kind of transition. Wouldn't shock me if he's wearing 77 in a couple of mm-hmm. years and is an all-Big Ten guy offensive tackle, but he showed enough this year to where we, we said this guy, we, we should keep him at tight end for the moment because I think he can, uh, at least in the rankings, because he, he looked good enough there.
1: It's weird to talk about this many in state guys, now but I got to throw a couple more <laughs> at you because Illinois's got uh, nine of them at, at the moment. Um, they took some chances on guys, got out in front, right? Uh, Malachi Hood, linebacker at, at Joliet Catholic. Clayton Leonard, uh, you know, small school at Iroquois West, um, you know, just south of Kankakee here. And then TJ Griffin, kid who played for an 0 9 team, but I got a friend who coaches at one of the Lincoln Way schools, and he said, that guy's a dude. Um, so w- what do you think? Uh, those guys are kind of sleeper prospects. Illinois got in front. Uh, what do you think of of adding guys like that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you have to blend winning the battles for the Jared Beatys and the Aiden Lafferies with, you're going to have to hit on some of these evaluations. And I think that uh, this staff has done that in the past before they got to Illinois, and they're going to trust that. I think uh, and even at Illinois before they got there, you, we've covered some guys like that over the year where it's like Nate Hobbs himself was kind of a late riser, wasn't like this guy they recruited heavily through the process we've seen the Doug Kramers and the Alex Paltouskis and those guys work I think these guys are in that mold Uh, T.J. Griffin for being a guy that nobody knew uh, when I turned on the tape I I was like this is a really good find Um, and so as an Illinois fan I think you have to feel good about your staff continuing to turn over rocks and find a kid finding a kid like that in, uh, in his senior year. I thought his film really stood out. We'll see what happens with him once he gets to college. I think that's a really good take. Clayton Leonard, you know, a developmental guy. That's gonna that's a project for Bielema and uh, and Bart Miller. He's got a lot of talent, got a frame. Um, he's gonna have to come in and, and get in the weight room. But I think, again, you know, you take a kid in state who has some frame and some athleticism and, and plays hard on tape. So I, I think those are the kind of guys that you're gonna have to hit on a couple of them in order for the program to grow.
1: Big offensive line class, uh, not a surprise with Brett Bielma, right? And Bart Miller, I think you've known is has been a pretty good recruiter in the Midwest, even when he was out in in say Wyoming. I uh, want to ask you about a few of those guys, and I got to start with this, this this huge international man of mystery, Magnus Moeller, uh six foot nine, three hundred pounds. Met him, just an unbelievable kid to talk to, Alan. But uh, I, I said, hey, I don't know what you guys want to rank him, but he's committed, so can we get him ranked? And you came back with a pretty high number. Uh, why? why? Why did you feel Magnus Moore should be a th- high three-star recruit? So,
0: you know, I tried to go into that with about as clean as, of a slate as could be. And I really did because I didn't know a, a ton about that guy. I know Brandon Collier and the PPI guys, and they have mentioned him. But tried to go in without any bias and just look at this because it, it would be really easy to just see a, an international kid who's maybe a little bit physically underdeveloped, who's going to Illinois and wasn't. You know, heavily, he, was, he had some offers, but it wasn't like the entire country was going after him. It'd be really easy to just slap a low eighty on a kid like All that. Was, let's let's really watch this. And I thought he was outstanding. I mean, I really expected a much more raw kid. I didn't see that. I thought he was technically pretty sound. And and part of that is these European kids once they decide to play football, like they really get into it and take it seriously and they once they see like a path to education in the states and all that they i mean they these guys really work at it and that's why i think over when, when ppi first came out and schools started to fly over to germany and evaluate recruits there was a lot of skepticism about that the precedent's now been set by these groups before that these guys are gonna a lot of them have turned out there's a lot of success stories so you feel good about that this kid I think as every tool in the book, you don't find six eight, six nine that can bend the way he does. Um, you know, part of me still wonders if I didn't go high enough. Like he's I think he has a chance. If you look at the guys in this class and you say who has the most NFL upside in the class, like I really think he's top of the list for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Like I, I didn't know if I was gonna go that high. I was trying to be like, hey, I don't wanna be the homer here, but I just watched him and You know, you worry about 6'9". Can he get down and bend and and get down in these guys? And his arms are unbelievable long, quick feet. So I think the ceiling's there, right? Like, I mean, maybe it doesn't work out, but the the ceiling certainly is there. Joey Ockel was the first one in this class. Um, and, and he played a big part as, as a recruiter. But to go up in Wisconsin, uh, you know, Wisconsin had an offer, grew up a Badgers fan. Wisconsin's obviously not hurting on the offensive line in their class either. But uh, Illinois doesn't go up there very often and get somebody. So what are they getting out of the Badgers state in Joey Okla? Yeah,
0: I think it's almost the opposite tail from magnus moeller where you really know what you're getting here in this guy um you know comes from an outstanding high school football program that's put out a lot of college prospects but it's particularly on the offensive line and he's been a standout player for them um been a leader for them been kind of a rock on that team um interior guys sometimes those guys get overlooked but like I said, the Doug Cramers of the world will tell you the Kendrick Greens of the world will tell you that you, you need those guys and those guys can anchor your offensive line. That's why I think you're getting here, Joey Okla. And I think that's why Illinois targeted him as one of the first guys in the class and somebody that they wanted to be a foundational piece because he's going to be, he's extremely safe. He's going to do everything they need to do He's going to be technically sound. He's going to work extremely hard. I wouldn't be shocked if that guy's starting multiple years for Illinois. Somewhere on the offensive line, probably center guard. He can give you depth at both positions. But I think you look at Doug Kramer as maybe, um, you know, kind of a blueprint for how his career could go.
1: Yeah, you'd be shocked if he's not a captain at some point uh, with the way he kind of approaches it. All right, one more Midwest guy I got to ask you about, and that's Hunter Whitenack. Um, Not a surprise Brett Bielma offered this kid, 6'7". 300 pounds another midwest kid out of state though uh, out of indiana uh, didn't have offers from some of those in-state programs but illinois gets in him uh in on him before those schools have a chance to see him in camps and and they close that one down uh, do you think hunter whitenack is is a guy that can play tackle at that size or, or do you think he's interior what do you think of him
0: i think you go either but you're probably looking at a right tackle if i had to guess you know massive obviously really really big um but at that size you know has uh I think he's got, a, he, he was the one with the big wrestling background, yeah, right? Yeah. I think that was what we liked about him. Is Usually being really tall isn't an advantage in wrestling. So if you're that tall and you're able to have some success on the mat, you've got to be, you know, strong and able to bend and understand leverage. And he does. He was the one where, you know, the films like, we have this big giant kid just mauling guys. Um, we don't really know much else about him because that was in the COVID year of not getting to see guys at camp. That was tough then things opened back up him and Joey Okla showed up at the same camp at Under Armour and we were going, okay this guy can move pretty well for how big he is and that's when he started to inch up the rankings so you know another one where that's kind of the theme I think of this class is you take big developmental bodies and uh, now you know you got to work to mold them I think Hunter's in that boat but uh, obviously there's a whole lot to work with there.
1: Alan, to me, this reminds me of Lovey Smith's first class, which ended up being a very good foundation class for him. I mean, you mentioned Hobbs, Poucheski, Kendrick Green, Viderian Lowe, uh, and those guys all made big impacts. Owen Carney uh, just had a nice season. Kirby Joseph just had a nice season. What What do you think this class – is this class similar in that regard? You think it's a it's solid foundation for Brett Biuma?
0: I do, yeah. And I, like you said, I think there's a lot of uh, high upside developmental bodies in this class. Um, and I think that when you look in the Big Ten West, when you look around the league, that's a lot of what it is. That's what Iowa and Wisconsin and even Northwestern and Nebraska, that's what they've done. That, that's what you, I think that's what you have to do to win um, on that side of the conference. And I think West, Illinois is going after the right kids. And so I, I do think that uh, in a couple of years, it may take a little bit of time for the fruits of this class to kind of show themselves. But I do think that in a couple of years, you'll look back similarly and we'll be able to rattle off the same amount of names that have made an impact particularly on both fronts
1: so if we look to 2023 alan what do you think is the next step for brett biegelman and his staff
0: yeah so i think that you want to continue to build your reputation in state to where you can continue to win some of those battles at the top and maybe even even a few more or you go a little bit higher on the board you know i think that joey okla was a good first kind of foray into wisconsin you know, you're, that's a bordering state that has some talent that you can go up there and get talent from, and that's you don't have to beat Wisconsin. There's great kids that go from Wisconsin every year that end up going to NDSU or Northern Illinois, or mm-hmm. you know, I think that that you got to get some of those guys to camp and evaluate those kids, and so I think that's I I don't think that the next step is anything too drastic. I think they laid the foundation in this class, they set their blueprint, and now it's just progression from that um i don't see a huge need to change what they're doing or to say like do we need we got to do something different in 2023 i think it's just continuing on the same upward path that you started in 22.
1: alan true 24 7 sports national recruiting analyst alan looking forward to seeing you on big 10 network yet again on wednesday and then a much deserved vacation man
0: yeah i'll clean up uh (laughs) i'll clean up this before then but yeah looking forward to it thanks for having me on thanks alan
1: Alan True is the Goods. You can follow him on Twitter at Alan True. It's spelled T-R-I-E-U. Yeah, there could be more additions to this class, and by the time you're listening to this, whatever you do, there could be more additions. Illinois... Had several uh, official visitors over the weekend, including TJ Griffin, who's already committed, Terrell Jones, Alabama three star defensive lineman, who's already committed, but a couple other guys to watch. Uh, Isaiah Adams, Juco offensive tackle. I think he's a really important target for Illinois in this class. He's the number five Juco offensive tackle uh, in the class of 2022, according to 24 7 sports, and he could fill an immediate huge need at tackle outside of our opposite of Julian Pearl. Illinois needs a lot of offensive linemen, and, and they're going to probably add uh, maybe two or three guys, I think three at this point, of trying to get ready to play guys after losing starting offensive linemen and Isaiah Adams at 6'6", 320, moves really well, had really good film at Garden City, which is one of the best JUCOs in the country, Uh, really physical player as well, Canada native, so he got to know Chase and Sidney Brown during his official visit and uh, there's just playing time. Uh, Kansas is involved, he took an official visit there, Lance Leipold, I'd never uh, underestimate him, Uh, really good coach, really good developer of talent from his time at Wisconsin-Whitewater when in national champions at the d3 level uh, or at buffalo where, where he kind of rose that program into a uh, mac title contender so that's a team to watch ucf is in the mix as well but uh illinois getting the last official visit is really important uh, a developmental prospect tyson rooks a georgia player six foot five 180 only played one year high school football this past year but he was really good and six 180 that's usually a wide receiver right illinois likes him at safety uh, he's not going to replace Kirby Joseph right away as Kirby has is, is entered the NFL draft. But 6'5", 180, and he moves really well for his size. Basketball player, former tennis player, so his lateral agility, probably better than most 6'5 guys because you get a little too long, you get a little stiffer. Um, But uh, Illinois, Ryan Walters and Aaron Henry like his potential uh, at safety, and that's certainly an area where they need to add more depth and and long-term kind of ability there. So he's one to watch, and we'll see if Illinois can make a flip. Uh, Curly Thomas, a three-star edge rusher, Ryan and I talked about last week, didn't end up making his visit, official visit to Illinois over the weekend. So it seems like Justin Wilcox, who reportedly turned down the Oregon job, an Oregon alum turning down that job to stay at Cal, um, Illinois wasn't able to get him there, so it seems like Justin Wilcox able to lock that one down. But uh, Illinois working on another edge rusher, Gabriel Jockus out of Florida. Three-star, edge rusher, outside linebacker, big, strong kid, great wrestler. So I think he can kind of play that Owen Carney role eventually uh, in his career. Currently committed to Tulane, but it seems like he's coming down to Illinois and Tennessee there. He, he just visited Tennessee, an official visit. So I think Illinois can sell its development of outside linebackers. They offered first before Tennessee. But with Tennessee, it's 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 a storied program, right? And it's SEC for a Florida kid. So concerns there. I think most people from the outside would see Tennessee as a tough one to beat for Illinois. But we'll see how the next couple days play out there. And Cody Jones continues to be a name. Illinois works. Uh, the Michigan commit four-star prospect out of Tennessee. Corey Patterson, Brett Bioma, Aaron Henry have been working that one. I think what's tough is Michigan had such a great year. Um, so it's going to be, I, I think it'd be really tough. I've thought all along to flip a guy from Michigan, but Tennessee's been trying to flip him too. Uh, but I think Michigan having that great year, that's got to be a difficult decision to leave that, right? Be a team that's in the college football playoff. But Illinois selling, hey, you can start right away, you can be. The headliner here, you can be a face of this program and this program turnaround under Brett Bielma. So we'll see uh, if they could pull that off. I, I wouldn't have the odds very high on that one, but uh, you work it until he makes his decision. And Illinois has got some tight connections there, and and uh, he's been receptive to it all. So we'll see if they can do that. And then you got to find some transfers to help out uh, the one you've gotten so far, Tommy DeVito. Uh, you get the Syracuse transfer. You know, uh, I had a whole podcast on him. Now you got to surround him with more talent, and that's mostly on the offensive line. you got to protect him. Syracuse was not able to protect him, so he's running for his life. And if Illinois had last year's offensive line around Tommy DeVito, I think he'd be better than what he was at Syracuse. Given the offense, given the protection you have, and I just think a, a style of play that can fit his skill set a little bit more, a more versatile offense, uh, an offense that uh, plays more situational football, can maybe be a little bit more dynamic. Listen, Dino Babers and has had a lot of success offensively, but it's it's kind of that air raid run and shoot thing that kind of give him the same looks all the time, and you're relying on downfield passing all the time. I think having a good running game, using the tight ends, can help Tommy DeVito out. you got to be able to run the ball, and you got to be able to protect him. And right now you have Julian Pearl that you can count on on the offensive line. Jordan Slaughter, if if he were healthy last year, I think he would have started some games. So maybe with him coming back from injury, you feel good about that spot. But the three other spots, you're counting on redshirt freshmen like Zach Barlev and Josh Krutz. Uh, Alex Pilstrom you think can be serviceable. He's been a solid player since you know, converting from a walk-on tight end to a, a scholarship offensive line, but you need more options. You need more depth there and you need guys who can play right away. Then I think you got to add a tight end to help uh, replace Daniel Barker. Uh, and then you need some defensive help. Now with Kirby Joseph entering the draft, and seems like he's going to stay in there. Uh, you probably need to add a safety. I think Quan Martin can play that. I think he can play free safety, so maybe you can find a nickel uh, and a cornerback who can kind of help you at that position, Because maybe Taz Nicholson can play nickel, right? And then you add uh, a transfer cornerback. They've offered Gabe Judy Lally from Vanderbilt. I think that'd be a great addition. And I, I think you'd feel good about your secondary, even if Kirby leaves. Because Quan played pretty well last year. Sidney Brown played really well last year. Devin Witherspoon played really well last year. Uh, you at least need one more starting piece in that secondary. And then you can figure out how to, how to play them all. And help some of those freshmen, right? Like Keontae Curry are ready to to be in the two deep you know Daniel Edwards or Tyler strain um you know some of those guys are, are able to step up and and give you something next year and, and be able to play in the rotation edge rusher he got some talent there right i I think Seth Coleman is an exciting prospect who showed some flashes last year and uh you know kind of being in his what fourth year it'll be at Illinois I think he's going to be ready for, for a huge role you've already added Virginia Tech transfer Alec Bryant is a former four-star prospect Ezekiel Holmes played this year and I think can give you a solid option and then they recruited DJ Johnson last year and he he played so he's gonna be a sophomore this next year I think they're pretty high on him you want to upgrade everything right uh, inside linebacker you might need some depth now Kalon Tolson surprisingly uh, entering the draft so could you add a piece there I think get some depth with walk-ons and some young players but if Tariq Barnes or CJ Hart went down do you have a guy you feel good as a starter I'm I'm, I'm not quite sure so maybe they look at that position as well and wide receiver I don't know if it's as high with this staff um, I think they'd love a number one but with Isaiah Williams Casey Washington Deuce span you have some talent there but um, I, I think you'd love to add one more guy and this is all speculation, but if Tommy DeVito could give Taj Harris a call at Syracuse, uh, that might help. <laughs> he, he would certainly help. So we'll see where they go from here. But I could tell you, offensive line is the top need. Defensive line, they love out a nose guard. And it seems like they're in a really good spot with Tara Edwards, the Northwestern defensive lineman who has four years of eligibility. So... Gives you a short-term boost and and competes with Calvin Avery and Virtus Brown. Uh, Maybe get that rotation right away. Didn't play a lot at Northwestern, so don't know what you're counting on right away. But he's got four years of eligibility, too. So they don't have a nose guard in this class. I think Taylor Edwards basically is a 20, 21-year-old. is probably the best option they could get uh, at that defensive line spot, that nose guard spot. So a lot, a lot going on with Illinois football and a lot of needs. Despite filling a lot in this class, this foundation class of, of 2022, I think you're looking at the transfer portal to really boost your program in 2022 and, and keep you competitive and, and to not take a big step back. So they got a lot of work to do despite filling a lot of spots in this class of 2022. And then the class of 2023, I agree with that one. I don't think you got to change very much, but you'd love to, uh, to win more of those big battles. And the one I, I keep pointing to is is Caden Fagan uh, out of Atwood, Illinois, right? Right in your backyard. You're going to have to beat Iowa. You're going to have to beat Notre Dame. And you felt Brian Kelly leaving, right, Notre Dame. Maybe that helps Illinois. I don't know if it does with Marcus Freeman there, uh, who's a dynamic recruiter. And Notre Dame, obviously, with all, all their history. And and uh, they've hosted Fagan for a lot uh, a lot of time. So uh, some, some big recruitments you'd love to win. Roderick Pierce is a very really important one. I think a, a brother, Rice, defensive tackle who's been on campus several times I think he's kind of a top 10 top 15 prospect in the state that you'd love to lock down uh, so just a couple early in state names I think could be really imp- important uh, for the Illini and of course quarterback you got to keep keep improving that position uh, you got to find a, a long term solution for the high school route that after Tommy DeVito can you go to Donovan Leary can you go to whoever your 2023 prospect is they'll be young right I think you will be back in the portal next year but uh, that's got to be taken care of for the long term. you got to have more in-house options on that. All right, those are my thoughts leading into early signing period. Hope you enjoyed Alan True. Really appreciate his time. And keep tuned to Illinois Enquirer for all the latest with Illinois football recruiting, of course, basketball. Derek, with more time on his hands, is going to get out to more uh, high school basketball games as well and uh, some more basketball. Obviously, bragging rights right around the corner as well. So great time to sign up for a VIP membership. we got a signing day special, 50% off an annual VIP subscription for new users as well as monthly VIP users. If you want to upgrade, you want a deal to, to help you upgrade, save $60, now's the time to do it at IlliniInquire.com. Thanks for listening to the Illini Inquire podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcasts. And everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Alana Inquire podcast.